what if instead of asking for something in our prayers, if we, if we simply praise God for who he is, the God who provides? And I don't know how many of you were, uh, first of all, here to, to receive that challenge or online to receive that challenge, but I don't know how, also how many of you uh, accepted that challenge and attempted that. And if you did, you probably found, like I did, that it's very difficult to do because we've gotten to a habit from, you know, your first prayers asking for a lot of things. Um, and so I found it challenging too, but, but what a cool experience. Um, coming before God, just kind of sharing for me, you, wanna, you almost want to have a, a clean heart, clean hands, right? It's this kind of principle a lot of us learn. So you want to come to God and share him. Share with him what's warring, what's going on, ask for his forgiveness, his protection. But it was like, no, you can't do that this week, right? So coming before him and being like, wow, how do you even, how do you do this? And I, I could feel God speak to my heart this, this truth. Um, Will, did, didn't I make a way for you to be forgiven? Like, yeah, you did. Like, a little forgiven or completely forgiven? No, completely forgiven. And then what happened to me, guys, is the only thing that I could say would be like praise, like, wow. Like, but, but I did this, or I thought this, or I said this. Um, it's taken care of. Like, I know your heart. Confess it before me, right? I can forgive you. And then the key is this, that you don't just go back and keep doing it. Otherwise, that's not repentance. That's just being sorry. So if you really kind of confess that and you don't want to keep living in that and you move forward, I've made a way for newness for you. And then what happened was praise, right, and worship, like, wow. How cool was that? I mean, you guys might have some of those similar experiences, but uh, really cool. And so we're going to kind of continue on. Uh, like I said, we previewed a little bit of the scripture we're going to cover this week. So I am, I am going back just for giggles and stuff, uh, calling this sermon, maybe I'm not ready for the pearls. And we're going to be in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verses 18 through 24. So open your Bibles, open your phone, tablet. I'll also have most of the scripture up here for you as to kind of keep you on, on track because we are going to jump around a little bit. Another thought, something I wanted to share with you, and I wanted to ask for your help. We are, for those of you who are new, I guess I should introduce myself. My name is Will. I'm the pastor here. I'm glad you came in. You're coming in um, as we're going through the book of 1 John, as we call it, a letter written by John to the early church. And within this letter, we're, we're taking lots of adventures, right? Day trips, if you would. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. So what's next? Talking with some of the elders, praying about this. What we're finding is if you look at what Paul and, and uh, Peter wrote and, and some of these other guys and James you could see that they received correspondence of what was happening in the churches that they were writing to. Can you see that? And they wrote because these things were going on. Right? Like my wife and daughter were going through something, and it was talking about how people handle a certain part of their life, and she had to bring up this point, like, why do you think they wrote that? Because people were doing that despicable thing, and it needed to be corrected. Does that make sense? So if I simply, I mean, the Lord is good. If we simply choose a book of the Bible and go through it, he brings to the surface the issues. But what I want to ask you for is I want you to help me with something. I'd love to know, I'd love to get suggestions from you on, on what things you'd like, topics you'd like touched from a scriptural standpoint, something that we could pray about and, and possibly teach topically. I'm going to, and right here I put this box together. There's a slot up here on the top. There's some papers here. And anytime... Maybe wait. I, I mean, you can come up while I'm preaching. It really won't bother me. I might use you in the sermon if you do that. But if, if the Holy Spirit gives you something, the Lord puts something on your heart, would you come write it? I'm going to contribute the first one because some of us have been in, in some pretty good conversations about divorce. So I want to talk about divorce because I think, I think this needs to be addressed. So I'm writing that down and I'm putting it in there for me to look at later, okay, and pray about. But maybe you have another, another topic uh, that you would love to see addressed. Well, you can put it up here if you want. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, um, after church or whenever. Make sense? And we'll, we'll look at it and see what we can kind of cover. But a lot of times what we find is what we've learned in church 
is, is some man's opinion about way, the way that something goes. So, of course, the Lord will provide, um, how would I say this? The scripture is the foundation. The spirit leads beyond that. Make sense? But if we're not careful, we, we do three generations of people who are like, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. I've heard this before in church. Okay, where does that say that in the Bible? Guess what? Not in the Bible. But you've been told it was, right? See, we have these types of things. So we've got to go revisit those from time to time to be reminded to get our, our mindset and our reality back to the base of what was written for us in the Scripture and then what, how that dictates itself in our life, okay? Let's just pray and then we'll jump in. Lord, thank you so much for today. Uh, wow, you are the God who provides. So provide the instruction, the love, the correction, the truth that we need today. We trust you. Provide the protection that we need from distraction, uh, protection from the enemy, protection from our own pride and fear as we go into this. I pray Jesus in your name. Amen. Okay, John 3. We're rewinding a little bit if you were taking notes next week. Verse 18 says this. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Huge. This is so huge because the reality of every one of us, including the guy with the microphone, is this. We often say one thing and do another, right? So we do things like, yes, I love you, but then we don't act in a loving way. Yes, I believe in you, Jesus, but when that's tested, we go the other way. We make vows, right? We make vows to one another. Like, I will be there for you, and then you're not. We do that in marriage. We do that with our kids. We say things, and then we do something different. And somewhere along the way, because of God's grace, we've got stuck in our own mind frame, uh, theology, ideology, that because God's grace is so powerful and his goodness is so strong and his forgiveness is so ever-present that it doesn't matter what we do anymore. And that would be wrong. That would be wrong. Just because what you do doesn't save you doesn't mean what you do does not matter. Because we do reap what we sow. We do have consequence for our sin, even if we're not condemned for our sin. Do you see the difference there? It's not the end of the story, but it is part of the story. So, and he goes, John takes it to another level. Not only do we see this done the wrong way, what he says in verse 19 is that by uh, not only loving in word and truth, but also in deed and in truth, by that we know that we are of the truth. Of the truth, which is who? Jesus, right? How, am I, how do you know that you're of Jesus? Well, are you more than walking? Or are you more than talking about, about truth and about love and about doing things? Or are you actually loving and walking in truth? If you're not, then it might not be evident that you're of him. Not only that, we end up wounding one another and working against God instead of for him. So even though we dress up pretty on Sunday morning, we become tools of Satan and darkness rather than God and truth and life. Make sense? And so then everyone has a story, well, the church hurt me. Well, it wasn't the church, first of all. It was somebody in the church who was acting in their flesh, and they hurt you. Verse 20, for whenever our heart condemns us, see, because we start getting down on ourselves, we talked about this. Whenever our heart is condemning us, trying to put a final verdict on that, God's greater than that. He's greater than our feelings. He's greater than our emotions. He pushes past those to truth. Beloved, our heart, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So this is kind of what we talked about last week. We, we shy, we collapse because we feel bad about ourselves. We feel unworthy. We don't believe God loves us. So we begin acting unlovable because we don't think that God loves us. However, when we realize that God is greater than our feelings, that's why it's so great that he's not, he never changes. That's why it's so great he's full of truth because it doesn't matter how you feel today. I mean, it has some weight. But it, in the end, isn't everything on how you feel today. If today is those good, a good day for you or a bad day for you, that is not the most important thing. The unchanging God who will not condemn his people if they turn their face to him and love him, that's, that's what we stand on at the end of the day. And if we can get that condemnation out of our heart, if we can actually come before God and say, you're the God that provides, I don't have to sit here and cry to you because I keep sinning. 
right? Like, I come before you, brokenhearted, asking you to, to deliver me and help me walk out of this. We come to him in confidence. And when we do that, it says, whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Here's, here's the, the rub today. It's this. It's, it's whatever we ask, we receive from him. Okay, we'll, we'll get back to that. Verse 23, we're going to go ahead and finish out this chapter. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he's commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. By this, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he's given us. Well, why did you include that, Will? Okay, if we go back to this, this, is, this here is um, underline, star, really take a look at this. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Who likes that? You guys like that, right? I want to be able to ask from God and for him to give me what I'm asking him, okay? Now, the problem with that is we were all once younger than we are today. And our life, if God gave us everything that we asked for, would be what? A mess. Disaster. Insert other adjective here, right? Like, right, destroyed. There's all sorts of like songs and poems about, I'm so glad you didn't answer that prayer like I wanted you to, God, because this thing would be a mess, right? It's like, no offense, but getting a tattoo when you were 14. You probably still wouldn't like the things you liked when you were 14, right? Like my friends who loved Tupac and the one guy gave himself a thug life tattoo. Probably doesn't like that at 40 years old, even though he thought it was pretty cool when he was 15, right? This is what, this is what happens. We don't know. Um, so the, but the problem is there's these parts in the scripture that talk about asking God and him giving to us. But there's a little asterisk here, and it comes right after that. If you read this in context, and, and say this after me, context is important, okay? Say it, ready? One, two, three. Context is important, okay? In context here, he says the reason why he'll give us what we ask is because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Okay, well, what's that mean? Because that sort of sounds like the law, right, guys? And like 20, you know, 2021... We're over the law, right? We've been hearing about our whole life in church, like don't give me the law and the rules, and you're here because you're not looking for something as liturgical and as conservative in, in the way that, it, that we worship God. So you don't want the rules. Don't tell me the to-do list. I want God's grace and his mercy. But here it says, if we want him to be answering our prayers, right, he does this because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And then John goes on to say, guys, guess what? This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And what's the next part? Love one another. Yep. Whoever keeps these commandments abides in God. So what John's telling us is, listen, when you ask God for something and he grants it, it's because you're, you're staying in him. You're believing in him. You're believing in the name of Jesus. And in doing that, you're walking with Jesus and you're loving one another. Okay, now let's now let me get a little bit practical. Let's let's just pull off the page there and, and look at me and let's have a little bit of a conversation here. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. That's troublesome. That's troublesome. Let me ask you, is this the experience of your life? Do you get everything that you ask God for? No. No. Not always. Not always. And then it puts that little condition there almost, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So the question then you should be asking yourself, and I should be asking you is, well, does this mean that God's granting of our request is conditional on our behavior? Yes. Fair question, huh, Josh? I hope to God not. That's a perfect answer. I hope to God not, right? 
And, and I, think, I think that is, uh, I mean, we can just go really fast, but sometimes we just have to slow down a moment and say, wow. Kind of, not necessarily. That's actually the wrong question. It's actually really the wrong question. The question is, like, give me more understanding about how this works, Lord, and why it's written this way. Because if I just do that, then how are you all going to react if I present that to you? How are you going to react if I say, listen, you want God to answer your prayers? Then behave yourself. (laughs) Or some laughs, that's the first thing. What else would happen? Yeah, you'd either, you'd either, you most likely you would do a couple different things, right? Let's, some examples. You get really just down and you quit. Forget it. Never mind. Never mind. I can't do this. So you would do just what John said not to do, condemn yourself before God, right? Okay, so that doesn't add up and God is not confusing. Or you would fake it. You, you would want everyone around you to believe that you are doing the right things and doing what God wants you to do. But then that also goes against what John said, like, you're saying truth, you're saying the right things, I mean, you're really good at worship music, praying, and like singing, and your hands are higher than anyone's, and like you're on your face, and it looks like you know exactly what you're doing, and like God loves you, but in reality, you're not doing the things you say you believe. So there's the faking it, and then there's that like constant, like, well, I'm trying and failing and trying and failing, and then you end up condemning yourself too. So it, it, it isn't just that God is saying, do what I want and I'll give you what you want. Not it. Not true, not real. But also, it doesn't matter how I live or act. That has no bearing on my relationship with God. Also not true. It has no bearing on God loving me. Okay. On the other hand, it does have a bearing on my connection with Him. Okay? You got that? So... I'm standing on here because I want you to really listen to that. Okay? Let's repeat that. How you live does not affect the fact that God loves you. If you read in the end, people are thrown in a lake of fire. And God still loves the people he throws in the lake of fire. You get that? That's why being God would be a sucky job, and I don't want it. Yep. People he knit together knows better than any one of us can know one another will receive judgment. And if you, but God loves you so much that if you don't want him to interfere, he will let you try to pursue what, what, what it is you think you want and need. Okay, well, this is cool, Will. And, and I mean, I feel compelled in this just to show you because it's not only in First John that's saying this. Let me give you a few more. Matthew 7, here's a popular one. That it's kind of like, yeah, if I could just name this blessing and claim it, then I'm going to get this, right? It's one of the the arguments for that. Matthew 7, 7 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Yes, Dennis, this is what we need, right? I want this. I'm going to pursue it hard enough so I get it. Woohoo, right? Yeah. Okay, remember that saying? What was it? Context matters, right? Let's say that again. Context matters. Let me give you a little context. It starts like this. That's Matthew 7. And this is a little bit quick because I'm just trying to make a case, so please make those notes. Look at your Bible this week, okay? Look at your Bible this week. Not, man, not because Bible's God, but you gotta, I can't help you right now. Like, all I can do is hopefully kick you in the butt a little bit right now so you want to go home and pray about this yourself. Like, I'm not going to save you. Matthew 1. Judge not. I'm sorry, Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged. For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, the story of our life? But do not notice the log that's in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me see the speck, or let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Right? You heard that one before? So it keeps going. 
Then right after that, Jesus does this really funny thing. This is Jesus talking, and he says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Verse 7, he goes on to say, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. So you see the progression of this? Jesus is like, listen, quit judging each other. Quit treating each other poorly because I'm going to judge you based on the measures and the, and the scrutiny in which you judge other people. It's so easy for you to look at the faults in other people, but you don't see the glaring fault bigger that's in your own life. And you want to distract yourself by pointing out the junk with everyone else so you don't look at yourself. Instead, deal with your stuff first so then you can be a help to somebody. Right? Quit faking it. Quit pretending. Right? And then he goes on to say, yeah, don't give dogs holy things or throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. It's like, see, God is patient. Throwing your pearls before swine or, or pigs, uh, what does a pearl represent? Value, right? It's a valuable thing. It's a treasured thing. So he's saying, what would the pig do with that, those pearls? It's almost like saying, you know what? It's not even your job to judge these other people and tell them exactly what's going on in their eye. If they're not ready to hear it, you might as well be throwing your pearls at pigs. I prepared this nice filet mignon. I'm just going to give it to the tiger who would have ate it raw. Right off the animal, right? You've wasted your time. Not only that, he's like, and, and, and actually, when I look at that in the context, you see that he's kind of talking about, um, about that, right? This kind of judgment and in, in our interaction with one another. Like, understand that sometimes people are ready for something and sometimes they aren't. That goes for other people and that goes for you. Okay? So when they're not ready, trying to force it down their throat is like giving a pig a pearl necklace. They'll trample them, and then they'll get ticked at you because you didn't give them food, and they'll attack you. Isn't that the problem? This is, but, but even bigger than that, guys, this is like huger than that because what will you do with the thing that God gives you that you want? Oh, God, I really want this relationship. Are you ready for it? Or will you just trample those pearls? Oh, man, if I had a million dollars, would you know what to do with a million dollars? Would you handle it right? Right? Look at the story. Look at the stories of our culture. Tons of people get wealth who aren't ready for it. Tons of people try to make vows and commitments that they can never honor. People want to step in and lead things when they're not prepared. Like, we want things now, my way, the way I think I want it, but we might not be ready. And if God gave us those things, we would simply stomp them to death, break it into pieces, and then get pissed at them about it. Because it's not how we wanted it. Is that a true story? So it's written, is it true? Is it true? And then why does he have to go on after that and say, well, okay, but, you know, if you're seeking something, if you want something, you know, ask, like, seek it, find. It's, what it is is, like, get prepared for the pearls. Get prepared for the pearls. It's not you get what you want right now. It's get prepared for the pearls. Start seeking it. Right, Connor? Like, we got to prepare, man. Connor and I were having a conversation. You look in the Old Testament. You know Joshua? Tell me about Joshua, the character in the Bible. Tell me something you know about him. What's that? Warrior. Warrior. What else? That's good. Faithful. Might be tough. tough. Yeah, it might be tough. Like a leader, right? Like he took over after Moses left. Marched those Israelites into the promised land, butt kicking, right? Warrior. King, leader type guy, right? Look earlier in the scripture. You know what he did is he sat outside the tent of meetings 
That's what Brandy, in, in her study with my daughter, pillar of smoke, Moses inside talking to God. Joshua just sitting there by the door. For 40 years, he was the guy that went partway up the mountain with Moses. He was the guy sitting outside the tent of meetings. He was seeking. He was finding. He was preparing for the pearls. Would he have been ready 40 years earlier to do what it is that God had him to do? Probably not. Did you ever ask God, I think I could do this better, just let me? I don't know. Didn't record that. Okay, not only that, now let's go back to the same guy, John, but his, his gospel letter, right? John 14, verse 12. Let me start here. Very, very, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, right, I've underlined that because that's this key phrase that John keeps using, will do the works that I've been doing. So whoever believes in me is going to do the works I've been doing. And then they'll do even greater things, and not, not necessarily greater in power, but the meaning here is greater in breadth right, and depth. Like, there's going to be greater things you guys can all do together. Because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the, in the Son. So he's going to do whatever we ask that glorifies the Father. You get that? Jesus, make me powerful and rich. Okay, does that glorify God? Okay, doesn't apply. You see that? It's all those context matters, right? Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, right? He goes on to us another caveat here. If you love me, keep my commandments. This phrase, believe in me, John wrote it at my count at least 37 times. And you also see it in other scripture, believe in the name of Jesus. What's that mean? What does it mean to believe in me, to believe in Jesus? What's that mean in English, in our culture? Anyone want to venture out? What's that? Put your confidence in? Trust, someone said? Trust, yeah. Um, obey? Those are all very good answers. I think the danger is when we, when we say the word believe, we tend to think that I have a... Um, intellectual and mental agreement with it, right? Like, yeah, God's real. Believe in, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I go to, to church. Do you, do you trust in him though? This, this believe in me is, is more important in the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus represents, like him being Lord. Do you, do you believe, do you trust in, are you putting any weight in, any confidence in, is there anything that you're doing in your life that if Jesus isn't who he says he is, that you're going to fall flat on your butt? Like, to simply acknowledge him is not enough. To simply say he's real and true, to simply say he's the word of God, right? Then we're speaking, as John said, we're using words to speak truth or to speak love, but we're not doing that in action. To believe in Jesus is this, as we see through the scripture so far. To know that you have a plank in your eye which makes it hard for you to see. I think that deserves a drink break. What do you think about that for a second? To know that you have a plank in your eye. Rick, you're a smart guy, man, very capable, but what's going to make you amazing, man, of God is when you know that you don't know everything, right? When you know that, man, I really am blind sometimes. To believe in Jesus starts with knowing that he's worth being, believing in. So you have to know, first of all, that there's a plank in your eye which makes it hard for you to see what's really going on. And because of that, your reaction can be this, to trust Jesus' ways and directions. And because you really trust him, you really believe in him, you have confidence, then you do the things that he commands, or the phrase that we're borrowing from John here, 
and desire to do what pleases him. Bless you. And, and then that shows up like this. We love one another in deed and in truth, not just in words. Do you see how it's coming together? Can you get what you want from God? No, it doesn't work that way. Jesus is not a genie. He's not in a lamp. You are not God. Your wishes, your desires, your hopes are not the most important thing. The unchanging God, the creator of all things, the beginning, the end, the almighty one, the faithful one, the powerful one, the one that can see, the one that knows the way that things work. It's about him. And if we believe in him, that is putting a trust that has action to it. And then once we start walking with him, then we can ask him for the things that we need to glorify God and to help us along the way. And then the promise is there. Then he grants for us that which we're asking. Okay, back to this question. Is God giving you everything you're asking for? Sometimes it's a fair answer, but not always. And, it, and it's a mess because we live together, right? And Josh was talking about that. We don't live on an island. So the truth that, that the, is written and recorded for us by the early believers is this. Understand this about God. He's not slow to react. Because that's what you see, right? You look around you, your desires are unmet. The things you hope for in your own life, in culture, in society, even in your church, in your family, it's not going your way. Fair enough? So you get impatient and you think God is inactive. But the biblical worldview that we have says this, God is not slow, right? He's not lazy. He's not sleeping on the job. He didn't fall out. He's patient. Patient like you don't know. Loving like you can't understand. Willing to wait so that everyone would have a chance to accept him. So maybe... Um, my waiting, my no, or my not yet in my prayer is about my plank. Or maybe it's someone around me's speck. And I'm not ready and they're not ready for that pearl necklace. If not, why? I think that's it. Maybe I'm not ready for the pearls. You might be thinking, well, I appreciate your opinion. Okay, but let's, let's just see if I can back this up, okay, with a little bit of something else. Maybe a guy who knows better, like the half-brother of Jesus, who understand this is the guy at Jesus' death that we're pretty sure kind of thought his brother was losing his mind, right? And then later on, he becomes one of the leaders of the early church, and he wrote a letter too. And he says this. This is James, what we call James 4, verse 1. Once again, make a note because you want to go back and look at this, but you really want to go look at, I mean, you really want to look at this. Okay. Verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Ooh, now, now he's got my attention. Okay, what is it that causes that? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Your passions are at war within you. Do you know what that feels like? Okay, don't, don't get caught up in the word and what you think it means, but man the wants, the desires, the needs, the fears. Sure, the, the lusts, the hopes, the dreams, the insecurities, like all those really strong feelings and emotion, they're just oh, inside you. goes on to say, you desire and do not have. 
so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. These things that we want, we go get them for ourselves. That's what it is. That's the sin, right? Don't steal. That's trying to get what you want and you don't have. Don't love. Yeah, that's, that's trying to get what you want and don't have. Don't lie. You're trying to paint yourself in a picture that isn't true. Don't tear down your brother. Well, it's because you're insecure. You want to make yourself feel better, so your passion inside you is getting you to beat somebody down. You desire you don't have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Ooh, great, Josh. This is good, right? So now, Josh, you can get everything you want, man. Like, no. Okay, listen to this. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Whoa, wait a second here. We ask wrongly. You spend it on your passions. Do you see that? Oh, dang, this, this is me. This is me. Man, you desire, you don't have, so you want to shortcut it. You don't think God is good. You don't really believe in him. You don't really trust him. So you believe in yourself or the world or the things that you know you can do. And so you resort to that, and then you blow everything up around you. Verse 4, he goes on to say, You adulterous people, cheating on God because I short-circuit what he's trying to do. I shortcut. I jump ahead of what he's trying to do. I'm an adulterous person. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. These are strong words. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in you. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Oh, I could spend the rest of my life unpacking that, I'm sure. But you catch that, like, oh, submit yourselves, right? You have to, because why? The devil's in this. Do you see that? We, we forget that. Either the devil's doing everything or he's not in it at all. Submit to yourself, because in your pride, in your fear, in your lack of believing him, there's an opposing force that's trying to pull us away. Okay, that's James. This is what Jesus said. John 17, it's a highly popular well-known section of scripture, lots of times it's called the high priestly prayer. If you notice it, Jesus is asking for God's will and protection over and over again. That's what Brandy and I were talking about that. If you want to look at a model for praying, you see this, right? He's like praying to God all these really powerful, truthful things. And none of them are like, please help me get the job I want, right? Let me give you an excerpt. This is John 17, verse 14. This is Jesus talking. Remember, he's talking to the Father. I have given them your word, which is the truth, right? And the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Do you catch that? So if the world will pull us and take us away from God, right? And the world will play on your passions. It'd be a lot easier if God would just take us out of the world, right? I mean, honestly, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just be fun, like, hey, will you accept Jesus as your Lord? Yes. Beam you up. You're gone. Yes! Right? Then everyone's like lining up to get beamed up. I mean, the churches would just be full and then empty. Like, just continuously, right? They'd be praying, like, dunking people and 
zapping up. That would be fun to watch. However, not God's plan. How would anyone be left to tell anyone about Jesus and, and to actually be sanctified and learn? So Jesus instead is like, listen, while I was here, I kept them in you. I, I showed them your ways. I showed them they could trust you, but now I'm going to leave. So you're going to have to keep them in you instead of in the world. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the devil who's going to want to draw them into the world again and again. <clears throat> but they're not in the world. They don't belong there, just like I'm not in the world. So purify them, change them, sanctify them with truth. And your word is truth. So here's how it looks. I present to you this. Our misguided wants. You could say our misguided fears. Our misguided desires. Our our misguided hopes. are fueled by the love of the world and the things in it. And that's being described as the passions at war within us. Okay. Has everyone felt those passions at war inside you? If you're being honest, then you should be saying, yeah. Or maybe you're a robot sent from the future back to, no? Okay. Passions inside you. It's, it's this love and this want for the world. And so we think these things are what our heart needs. The heart being the center of it. We think that's what they need, but we don't have what our heart needs because we don't ask for it is what it's saying. But instead of asking for what our heart needs, which is really what? What does your heart need? God, right? Like in him is all those things, all these things in the world that we're trying to get are simply shadows of that. It's all shadows of what we were made to be, which was with God. What our heart really needs is God and more of him. Instead of asking what our heart needs, we waste our request on our feelings, our passions, our wants, and our fears. And I'm not coming down on you because this is me too. Wasting it on these things. If only, if I could just, if you would just. But here's the good news. What what the scripture just told us is that God gives us grace. Unmerited favor. Who wants what they deserve? Yeah, good job. Not, wait not to raise your hand, whether you were asleep or you actually... You don't want what you deserve. I mean, you want your neighbor to get their just desserts, right? But you don't want what you deserve. I don't want what I deserve. Instead, I want God's love and his grace. So God would, I could get to God's grace when I humble myself. Isn't that cool? Isn't that easy? Oh, that's not easy. <laughs> that's a daily, momentarily... Um, call to action that you've got to answer to. God gives grace when we humble ourselves before him. And since we're desperate for that grace, the thing our heart really needs, we should submit ourselves to God. And doing that is his ways. Okay, see how this came in back door. Well, you're not walking in my ways. You're not wanting what I want. You're not thinking how I think. So the things you're asking for, you're not getting. Okay. Why is that? not happening? What's the answer? Well, Pastor, well, I think the answer is I just need to want what God wants. Okay, how do you do that? Um, I don't know, force it? Force it? No, it's, it's all the way around. If you want God's grace, right, you humble yourself before God, which looks like what? Trust him. What's that look like to trust him? Okay, yeah, what were you going to say? Submit, what does it look like to submit yourself to him? Do what he wants. Woohoo! That's like the Bible sticker goes to Casey right there, guys. Yep. Like that is it. 
Like, we can't. You've got you've to quit the pendulum effect of the law and the liturgical background that we all have, right? Of the rules, following the rules, earning your way to heaven. Just because that's not true doesn't mean it's not true that we've got to do what God wants. If we love him, we keep his commandments. If we love him, we do what he wants to do. If we want to care what he cares about, we got to start asking him, seeking him, finding him, doing what he wants. We don't not do these things that God says don't do because he doesn't want us to have fun. We don't do those because they will destroy you and everyone around you. And the more you pretend to try to get favor and continue to do those things, watch the walls cave in. God gives us grace. We humble ourselves before him like, God, I am blind. I don't know what to do about this. There's all these passions, and I can't pretend that I don't have them inside. But I give them to you, and I'll do your way instead of this. And that simple couple sentence should be like the rest of your life. I'm going to do it. Will, I'm gonna, I know I'm saying I'm going to do it too, but will I do it 2 o'clock today? I don't know. Will I do it at 8.30 tonight? I hope so. Will I do it at 10.30? I don't know. I don't, yeah, maybe. But somebody's got to tell you this is what you're supposed to do. And then know this. When we try to submit to God, the devil will do whatever he can to stop us or change our mind. And to be honest with you, I'm still trying to figure out what the truth and the right way to do this is. Because being someone who tried to, who was raised in such a way where you just kind of pretend the devil wasn't there, right? It's either God's failing me, you're failing me, or I'm failing myself. That's the other option. Either the devil's messing with you, or I blew it. You blew it, or God blew it. Right? So, but once you start to realize there's an enemy that comes against you, then the danger is this. Everything is him. Ooh, Audrey, they got my Taco Bell order wrong. That Satan? I said no onions, and they put onions in that burrito, right? This is what we, we do. Like, it becomes everything about him. No, but here's what the scripture says. It just says, say No. When Satan comes at 12.30, 2.30, 8.30, 10.30 today, when you know, because Pastor Will told me, I need to submit myself to God to receive his grace. And in his grace, I'll begin, it'll change my prayers, and then I'll get what I'm praying for. Because I'll be praying about things that bring glory to God or draw me closer to him. Pearls that I'm ready for. But when that temptation comes, when that warring inside you gets so loud and so powerful you almost can't stop it you say no resist him push near god and our heavenly father will pull us close he will forgive us he will cleanse us he will wash us clean we will be new creations before him how cool is that so this is what I want you to do, okay? Like, man, I'm not trying to trick you, mess with your mind. You need to know this truth. You got to start doing what God wants you to do. If you didn't start already, today is the day somebody told you. You're not off the hook. What you do matters. What you uh, reap, you will sow. The choices you make will have consequence. And the way that you are walking with God will affect the way that your mind works. It will affect the things you ask for. And then in turn, it will affect the number of your prayers that are answered. But if you try to walk this out, it will be opposed is the word that we like to use, opposed. And when it's opposed, I mean, you, you might come from traditions where you got all sorts of prayers that you got for that. But just say no. No, run from that thing. Run from that thing. Run towards God. Run away from that thing. Run towards God. And just take it all to him.
believe in Jesus. I don't know about you, I want the pearls. I want the treasure from God. I want the goodness, the blessing. And I know that God's preparing me for the pearls. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Jesus, you are a high priest that, that's uh, not a distant one, but one that knows all the temptation, knows the struggle. But you overcame it. You won victory over sin and death for us. You vouch for us before the Father. It's easy for us to say we believe in you, but lead us, Lord. Spirit of God that lives in us, that believe, would you draw us near to God and protect us from the evil one? Would you help us in everything to believe in God? With every part of our life, believe in God. And Lord, we got health issues. Believe in God. We've got relationship issues. Believe in God. We've got financial issues. Believe in God. You are the God who provides. Lord, and we just praise you because you're the God that provides instruction to You're the God that leads us into truth. Help us to walk in your ways, Lord, that you might be glorified through us. So, Lord, the last thing I ask in this prayer is that you would just draw us near. Draw us near as we, uh, we praise you. As some of us come before the table to take communion with you, that you would just draw us so close. That you would speak to each one of us. that we would hear you. That we'd open our eyes to see, our hearts to understand, and our ears to hear. Pray this, Jesus, in your name.